You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. We all tend to get smacked into reality when we see someone much worse off. You know, it's a terrible statement about us as people, but it's also very true. You know, here I am in the midst of, you know, worrying about my own problems, and boom, we have a war. I mean, my goodness, how insignificant. I don't have any problems, to be quite honest with you. College basketball coach Jim Valvano today on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Well, as UConn and San Diego State battle it out tonight for the NCAA men's basketball title, today we'll revisit an interview I did a number of years ago with a man who was coach of a team that won the NCAA title in one of the most thrilling final games ever. And there is the happiest man in America about to celebrate what, in my opinion, will go down as one of the greatest coaching jobs in the history of this tournament. Jim Valvano was coach of the North Carolina State University team when it won the title in 1983, upsetting the heavily favored Houston. But by the end of the 1980s, Jim Valvano was out as coach at NC State, largely because of allegations of misconduct allegations contained in a book by the writer Peter Golenbach called Personal Fouls. Most of the allegations were later disproven, discharged, but the damage had been done. I met Jim Valvano in early 1991 after he published a book, his autobiography. So here now from 1991, Jim Valvano. Why did you write this book? That's a very good question because (laughs) I'll be honest with you, uh, I felt when I was approached uh, that it's presumptuous uh, for me to write a book. Who wants to who wants to read what I've got to say? It's a very intimidating, humbling experience to actually sit down and say I'm going to put some things on paper. And and the, the fear you have is like, well, who's going to read it? I mean, and worse, who's going to buy it to read it? Oh, you but know? you got the name. A name yeah, but still, like it's it's still a, a very when you. I, I don't feel I'm that old. You know, uh, I wanted to write. Uh, uh, the book really uh, only on the last uh, two years. I thought that that was something that uh, I could uh, discuss. It might it might be not only enjoyable reading, but might be uh, helpful to point out uh, when you go through that kind of a tough time, especially in in uh, college athletics, which is a rather hot topic in today's society. I thought I could maybe. Uh, make uh, make a little difference at least. That's what I intended to do. When we got into it and I started telling uh, this to the folks at Pocket Books and Jack Romanos, who's the boss over there, and, and really he said, well, to have perspective on it, you know, you have to tell a little bit about your background. And then as I started to, he'd start to laugh as I would talk about my growing up in an Italian neighborhood in Queens. And, and he'd say, oh, that's a great story. And that's a great story. And then about my early coaching days. And he'd say, oh, that's a good story. That's a good. So before you know it, it went from just doing about the last two years, it went to really my, my life. And, and I said, oh, my goodness, who wants to read that? So I really just kind of listen to the people who that's what they do for a living and, and uh, you know, write books. And, and so uh, it wound up uh, it wound up that way. So it's really covered three areas, it really does. It, it talks about the humor, which I've found in athletics throughout my entire life. I mean, from when I was a little kid, 
you know, growing up in Queens and watching my dad's basketball teams play, right up to all my coaching. And then, it, 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 hopefully, it's going to make you laugh. I mean, the book is, my life is filled with laughter. So the first part of the book is supposed to make you laugh. Second part of it, hopefully, you know, uh, will make you think a little bit as we go over in, a, in, a, in really a, a diary form, the last uh, 15 months of my uh, coaching career. And hopefully it does that. And hopefully it'll also touch your little heartstrings at times and maybe get choked up because I don't think there's an Italian who could ever put anything on paper without talking about family and about my dad and, and a lot of personal things. So if it can make you laugh a little bit, make you think a little bit, and maybe get you a little tear in the eye, uh, then, then hopefully it'll be a nice read. How important is a sense of humor when you're coaching college basketball? I think, uh, forget college basketball, uh, just living. Uh, we're the only creatures on the face of the earth that can smile and laugh, at least that I'm aware of, and we don't do enough of it. As, as uh, difficult as our own lives at times may, may uh, appear, you'll always see, unfortunately, this is a terrible thing that happens, but we all tend to get smacked into reality when we see someone much worse off. You know, it's the old, uh, you know, uh, I cried because I, I had no shoes till I met a man who had no feet. It's a terrible statement about us as people. But it's also very true. You know, here I am in the midst of, you know, worrying about my own problems, you know, and, and, and boom, we have a war. And, and I say, I mean, my goodness, how insignificant. Well, I don't have any problems, to be quite honest with you. You know, during uh, my time that I was worried about all kinds of things, as mundane as coaching the sport, uh, my dad had a heart attack and died. And I lost you know, my best friend in the world. And then, you know, the, uh, whether we were running our offense well or uh, we were going to make the playoffs or not seemed insignificant again. So, unfortunately, those things happen. I think so a sense of humor helps to put things always back in perspective. And I think we all should laugh a little bit at ourselves, too, which I think is important. After this short break, Jim Valvano's response to somebody else's book about NC State. Back to my 1991 conversation with Jim Valvano. Now, a lot of people read the other book. Right. And they figure, all right, now Valvano's coming out with his own book. All this is going to be is, uh, no, that's not true. No, that's not no. true. This is my side of the story. Yeah. You notice that's why it's not termed that. It's not termed my side. Uh, uh, the Peter Golenbach book was, uh, was work of fiction. And uh, anybody who, who took any time, as, as uh, Simon & Schuster did, and an awful lot of writers, to be quite honest with you, who, who read it, realized that, uh, uh, you know, though it just wasn't, the book wasn't very well there's something ironic about There's something ironic about the fact that your publisher is the one that turned his book yeah. down. <clears throat> yes, it is. And, and, and again, uh, I have no, uh, there's no bitterness in my life. There's no room for bitterness in my life. And uh, it's an unproductive emotion. And I don't have time for that. So... I, my book has very little to do with that book. It, it talks briefly about it. And in fact, uh, you'd be surprised because I said for uh, all of the uh, uh, wrong in that book, uh, I don't forget who it was who said if, if, you, can, if you can take criticism, you know, and, and uh, if it's valid, learn from it. And if it's not, just ignore it. So believe it or not, some of the things that in that book, although they were factually in error and generally it was untrue, there's still some things that I took from that and said, you know, 
I could do a better job there, and, and I should have done this. And, and so you learn from, from all those things and grow from it. But if the worst thing he said that was true was some people don't like Jim Valvano, <laughs> you can't coach, you can't go through life oh, hoping yeah. everybody's going to like you, can oh, you? Oh, well, I certainly understand that. <laughs> There's, uh, I mean, you're going to make, just by nature of what you do. Oh, definitely. You're, well, you're going you're gonna to make some people mad at you. Oh, sure, and especially kids. 18 to 22 year old people who uh, uh, you know have their dreams uh, and if they don't come true do not have a great ability to, to say gee that was that was my fault you know that it was uh, you know they tend to at that age you know look uh, look to others we sometimes do that <laughs> all of <laughs> us no matter what age and and you have to learn how to say these two words which somehow people use but very rarely together number one is my and number two is fault. And when you put them together, a lot of people choke on that. And I, I have never denied for, to anyone that I'm not responsible um, and accountable for everything. And that's why you accept what I always call executive responsibility. Um, there's a, a, a fellow who writes for the, uh, the National, uh, uh, Norman Chad, who every time he writes something about me, he always says, remember Valvano says he's accountable but not culpable. You know, I guess I used, I've watched too much television, I used a nice sound bite. You know, <laughs> I said I'm responsible but not culpable because those are two different things. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, although it makes for a, a humorous little thing that he writes, I believe that. I believe that I'll take that to my grade. There's a huge difference huge difference between being held responsible for what happens in one's regime and actually, you know, being at fault. And and uh, until I guess someone walks in my shoes or does that job, people may not understand that. But it, it, I'm held responsible if a player uh, sells basketball shoes. Mm. But I didn't sell any shoes, nor did I tell a kid <laughs> to sell shoes, nor did I know he was selling shoes, and I was darn angry when you find out about it. But unfortunately, I was the boss. So I am responsible, and you accept that. Are coaches' hands tied by the rules that you have to play under? Only from the standpoint that we're, we are held <laughs> uh, blameworthy for everything. And I think that's unrealistic. It, it's uh, absolutely unrealistic. If a coach violates a rule knowingly or turns his head, then he should be uh, fired. But if you have no way, no knowledge of, of a wrongdoing, uh, well, then it needs to be fixed. Then the, then the wrongdoing has to be fixed. You know, if a kid sells his tickets, well, you can fix that and make sure the university is involved in that. You know, we, we, we have this view of the coach. Heck, we don't hand out tickets. You know, we're, we have enough trouble, <laughs> enough trouble getting ready for the game, much less who's got the tickets. Someone else does that. You know, but unfortunately, we're held responsible for it. So I'm saying that when something happens that is wrong, that is a violation, I think together it must be solved by the university, by the administration, by the athletic department, by the athletic director, by the coach, and by the athletes. Don't a lot of people assume, though, that if you're a Valvano, a John Thompson, a Shashevsky, a Crum, that you've got to where you got by playing with the rules a little bit, well, by bending this and that and breaking this and <clears> here and doing something under the table? And well, unfortunately, uh, that is a malaise of society, whether it's politics, whether it's the savings and loan crisis, whether it's uh, your business way back in the payola days, uh, whatever you want to call it, every, I mean, you, morality and, and uh, illegal activities are, 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 are rife in all businesses. Unfortunately, we react violently when it's in a, uh, our heroes, which is the sports world. Uh, if you see an entertainer, a rock star, uh, you know, on drugs, some people say, ah, 
all those rock stars are doing that. You almost expect some of it. You know, uh, you see some deviant behavior in a movie star. You say, ah, oh, that Hollywood crowd. But if it's a, a politician, a, a religious leader, and somehow we went from an entertainment field to the world of politics and religion coaches. Now, you know, if there's something amiss there, it's like you let us all down. I mean, uh, uh, you know, where are you, Joe DiMaggio type of thing. And, 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 and in some respects, I understand it. Because yeah. as a kid growing up, that's also who my heroes were. You know, my heroes were my New York Giants uh, I shudder to say that in the area where they're speaking, but <laughs> I did grow up a Giants fan and uh, uh, going to the Yankee Stadium and watching the Huffs and Robustellis and YA Tittles. They're heroes. And when you find out, I remember how disappointed I was when Duke Snyder uh, said he played the game because he got paid. I mean, that broke my heart when I was a kid. <laughs> so I do understand it, you know, but sometimes we don't have enough, I don't want to call it compassion, but the reality of 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 the of the world steps in and and uh, we don't like it. Jim Valvano was diagnosed with cancer a little over a year after our interview, and he died in April of 1993 at age 47. And you can find an easy Amazon link to Jim Valvano's book in the show notes or at our website heardeverything.com. Oh, and while you're at heardeverything.com, don't miss my interviews with two other legendary college basketball coaches. My 2000 interview with Coach K, Mike Shashevsky. I've had a great life because I've done what I've wanted to do, and I love doing it. And the longer I'm in it, the, the more I've loved it because uh, I've learned more about how to do my thing better. And my 1999 conversation with Dean Smith. I was one of the lucky ones to be able to retire as a coach. Not many get that opportunity. And uh, now I, uh, being a fan is horrible. I now appreciate what fans were going through back when I was coaching. And of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And we're on all major podcast platforms. I hope you'll subscribe today. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, she's not just a horse whisperer, she's a cattle whisperer, a cat and dog whisperer, animal behaviorist Temple Grandin. The main difference between animal and human emotions is we have a great big cortex, so we can process these emotions in a much more complex manner. So my cat can get depressed? It can get kind of depressed, but it's not going to write a sad poem. <laughs> That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. <laughs>